This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello Hello, everybody. A warm Croker 300 week to Mm. you all. Definitely the biggest story in rugby league right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're going to have like a five part (coughs) dissection of Croker's career and if there's time, we'll also talk about the weekend. Yeah, look, uh, there is in all seriousness only one place we can start and that is with the injury to Nathan Cleary. Usually we keep that stuff till after the game recaps, but... Campo, this is such a seismic moment, not just in Penrith season, but in the State of Origin series, where now the Blues are, for the first time in a long time, going to be looking elsewhere in their halves combinations. Yeah, so I like we can get the Penrith stuff out of the way really quickly. I think, as we saw last year, Penrith can lose one or two of their guys and still keep going along at a pretty good clip. They don't have a replacement as good as Sean O'Sullivan, although I did think Jack Cogger was all right yesterday. But, like, they'll... Roar into the finals and everything's going to be sweet. I don't even need to worry about that. Because it is such a break from what they've been doing. In in Freddie's entire tenure as coach, which started game one 2018, only three blokes have played halfback. Nathan Cleary and has, has done it. And then Mitch Moses did it once and Mitchell Pierce did it once. And that's and that's that's it. So we're kind of into a, a brave new worldie. We haven't really seen a lot of this New South Wales origin team without Cleary in charge, you know, and the knives were out for him after a, after a, a game one that was a pretty poor performance, a pretty scattered sort of performance. Um, and now the question turns to who's going to replace him. You? Maybe not me, um, but if Freddie puts the call, if Freddie, if Freddie needs him, I'll, uh, I'll answer the call. It's very noble of you. Yeah, I know, but um, I don't think that's what the state wants. Mm, the, I, the, I state, the state wants Nico Hines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, he seems to be the most obvious fit, but I think that that Cleary absence and the sort of almost too obvious pick of Hines does then open up a bunch of other questions, namely, who plays next to him? Do you stick with Jerome Luai or do you go in a different direction? Because it, it's just a little bit hard for me to wrap my brain around a scenario where they, there's a Jerome Luai in the team and no Nathan Cleary. Well, the, the, the thing is, like, Luai's been better in origin That's true. over the last four games now. He had, a, I thought he had... A, he had was on the whole probably better than, than Cleary in the series last year, even though Cleary won man of the match, deservedly won man of the match in game two. Um, but Luai was good, was probably the most effective spine player in Origin one, and yeah, it it, it is it is it is difficult to it's difficult to imagine him playing Origin without Cleary next to him because that combination has played such a big part in what the Blues have been over the last over the last two series. Um, I actually wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind a Heinz Luai combination, you know, because while Heinz is a different player to Cleary, the fact that he can play both sides of the ruck and he's very comfortable first receiver and he's very capable of just getting the ball from side to side across the field. I do like that idea because that was something Cleary struggled with in game one. So I like the idea of being able to load up that left hand side, especially if Latrell Mitchell's going to be there, which we don't know if he's going to be or not, and then just sort of giving them the chance to sort of really attack Queensland, but. The way Cody Walker's playing, I think he has to be in the conversation. And it would be harsh to drop Jerome Jerome Luai, given the performances he's put in. But Origin can be harsh sometimes. Like it was harsh dropping Damian Cook, but they had to make the tough call. Mm. And maybe that's the t- maybe that's the next tough call they need to they need to make because Walker's got Origin experience. He's playing out of his mind at the minute. I think 
the things that the Blues struggled with in game one, getting the ball from side to side of the field, are things that he's really, really good at, you know? So it's something that I would seriously, seriously consider. But the thing is, like, Hines, Hines is going to get this spot. I would be stunned if he didn't, mm. right? He's sort of been groomed to be the next, the next man up somewhere in the back line for a good couple of years now. I think the first time he was 18th man was in the 2021 series. And I think he was 18th man for all three games last year. So, like, he's been on the scene for a long time in case something like this happened. But there are other intriguing possibilities out there. Like Mitch Moses, for example, has been playing really, really good footy. I think he's got a, he's got a better record in big games than Nico Hines does just because he's played in more of them. Like I think it's important to remember that Hines is only in his second season as an NRL halfback, so he doesn't have as many runs on the board in really big matches. Mm. I do, I do want to push back this this narrative has been going around the internet for the last couple of days. I do just want to push back on the big game narrative a little bit because the biggest knock on the Sharks has been their forward pack. And if you look at that game last year that they lost to the Rabbitohs, their forward pack got annihilated. Nothing there's nothing Nico Hines could have done to prevent that run. You could have put 1997 Andrew Johns in there, it wouldn't have mattered. They still would have lost oh, that no, game. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. And no, I know you're not, yeah. but this is more an overarching point. And then you look at that game the week before. Yes, they lost to the Cowboys, but Hines was great in that game. Again, they scored 30 points. Their, their point scoring was not the reason they lost that game. And so, and then before that point, he's not at the Sharks. He, he's at the Storm. And so, like, the, the Sharks have a lot of issues, mainly in their forward pack. And I think that the way that people have, I wouldn't say turned, but the, the way that a lot of people have suddenly started overanalyzing this very small sample size of Nico Hines' time as a Cronulla halfback and forgetting all the brilliant games he's played and just zeroing in on one or two games in particular where things didn't go their way. I don't know. I think it might just be a little bit unfair on him. Well, you just said it yourself, it's a small sample size, isn't it? The reason that he doesn't have a great record in big games is just because he hasn't played in that mm. many of them as a starting half because he's only been a starting half for 18 months now. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying he's a choker or anything like that. I'm just saying he hasn't had the opportunity to play in those matches. You yeah. know, that, that's that's all I'm saying. But I am kind of surprised by how vicious the, the New South Wales origin discourse has been in Nasty. the aftermath of game one. Nasty. Like, it's always like it's always bad when the Blues lose. We always turn on each other and we always try to kill each other. And, you know, that's just how it is. But I do think it's been particularly harsh this time. And I think people are like picking people are picking sides and factionalism has just shot through the roof, you know, and you can use you can use the stats and all that out there to, to twist the argument for your guy any way you want. All I'm saying is I think there's a lot of good options out there. I think Moses would be would be a strong option. I, I had a, I had a joke with you last week on Question Time about mm. an Adam Reynolds Cody Walker hearts combo, but now it's like I think I think that's a possibility, not a, not a likely one, but I think it's possible. And just real quick, because Freddie doesn't mind an off the wall selection. Mm. I remember game two, 2020, He dropped Luke here and he brought in Cody Walker. And part of his reasoning was the games at ANZ Stadium, and that's Cody Walker's home ground, and he knows every blade of grass there. I could see him doing the same thing. With Adam Reynolds playing at Suncorp, Cody Walker you know famously I mean? great at Suncorp as yeah. well. So, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's like you look back; it'd just be something really nice and poetic about those two boys together for one last ride because their last well, game niceness, together, niceness and poetry is what Origin's all about. Exactly, and their last game together was, of course, that grand final where they were both on the wrong end of the two game-defining plays: the interception and the missed conversion. So, to get them together one more time to try and sort of no, well, not finish that story because that was NRL and this is State of Origin, but to right some of those wrongs and exercise some of those demons, I think would be really nice and be a really cool way to finish that whole that that whole combination that they had for those few years there. But yeah, 
it does feel like it's going to be Hines, but there's a world where that happens, dude. Because like you can say right now, who's been the best halfback in the NRL this year, and it's probably Adam Reynolds. And if you said who's been the best five eighth in the NRL this year, it's probably Cody Walker. So if you look at that, now I'm not a I'm not a brain genius. I'm not one of those. <laughs> not one of those. Uh, the Poindexter's down at Harvard University, but you know, if you have the guy who everyone thinks has been the best halfback this year, and the guy who everyone thinks has been the best five eight this year, and they're both from New South Wales, and they've both got a bunch of experience playing together, and one of them has the most experience playing at the home ground that game two is going to be at, and they both have a shitload of experience playing at the ga- uh, home ground where the decider is going to be at. Maybe it's not a terrible idea. When I said, when I said you should start pushing this take, mm. you scoffed at me. You, I've been leaning, you laughed I've, at me. You, you chuckled through your moustache. I've leaned into it so hard. Exactly. In like this is a, this it's is only going to get. This is up, a this up, is up. a perfect look for you, man. Thank you. This is this is this is where the interests of your state and of your club align. Has Nico Hines know? ever even played at ANZ Stadium? I don't, I don't know. know. I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, he probably has, but yeah, like he, always, he definitely has. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I do think we're having a laugh. I do think Hines is is just about nailed on for the spot. I actually think he's more of a certain selection than Jerome Luai is. Um, I actually agree with that. If they were picking the team today, I reckon they'd go Luai. But if Walker has another monster this week, which let's be real, he's probably gonna like he he, he could really roar into contention. Um, regardless, regardless if if they pick like I would have Walker in the team regardless. If Hines is going to be the starter, I'd have Walker fill that fourteen spot. But the other guy that I would peg for that 14 spot if they don't want to go with a half is Katoni Staggs. Yeah. I think he's been playing really, really good footy for um, for the Broncos these last couple of weeks. It's sort of been a little bit slept on. I think he's one of those post-hype sleepers that you read about sometimes in the magazines. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. was going crazy for him in the first six weeks last year. He got in origin, had a tough time, got dropped, and then it, it, like everyone just stopped caring about him through the rest of the year. But I think he's found a really good mix of... Um, Work rate and strike in his footy over the last couple of weeks. I thought he's really strong against the Sharks in a good Broncos win. And I think he's the sort of guy that you don't need to change a lot of shit around to use him. Like when they had Hines on the bench for game one, they threw him out in the centres because Trebojevic got injured. But I would be comfortable if Staggs was just part of their middle rotation in case and then plays a bigger role if someone gets injured. You know what I mean? I think he'd be good just sort of leading the line in the middle of the field, having a few big carries, and then after 15 minutes... You bring you bring him you bring him back off because he's sort of shown that impact. Hines has played one game at Homebush as a shark, by the way. Really? How'd they one. go? They won by 13. 33 20 against the Bulldogs. So. Oh, that was that was earlier this year as well. Mm, it's yeah. the only game there. But uh, you know, played well. So, you know, pick him. <laughs> okay, okay. Well let's let, let let's put a let's let's vote this bass. Yep. What do you think they will do? Yes. And what and what would you do? They will pick Nico Hines and probably Jerome Luai. I would pick Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds. <laughs> I think I would go. I think I, I think they'll go Hines, and I think they'll go Walker. Do you think? I, do. I think I think he'll I think he'll Rory's do way. Do you not? Back in, do yeah. you like because they're both uh, like Hines? Hines got a decent kicking game, but do you think that that just leaves them a bit too sort of pass and run first rather than having sort of more balance? Although I guess Louis is not a great kicker of the football either. Oh, I think I think you could sell it as the Blues did not have a yardage problem. At all. That's true. In, in game one, um, there was very little kicking that they had to do off the back foot. All their atta- all their kicking was was attacking kicking, and most of that was bad. And Walker and Hines have both got strong attacking kicking games, mm. so I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that big a problem if they can't kick do you think their it's way out of trouble. Also, maybe in the back of Freddie's mind that hey, maybe uh maybe a certain game breaking centre 
might sort of will himself to come back and play a bit earlier if his mate Cody Walker's in the halves. I, I, you can't, I don't think you can make... You can't think you, like that, no, but you it can't, could be you a You can't factor. think if I pick Walker, maybe Trell will want to play. Well, <laughs> like kind that's of true. No, no, no that's... That, that's if, if that if that if that would be part of Trell's thinking, I'd be incredibly disappointed. No. That would be really shit on his part, and I don't think I'm he just would, I don't think he would think like that. No, of course. But not. the he idea of the like his combination with Trell is well, that's a, is thing. part that, of the reason that can't be. Under, I'd be really eyeballing Walker, man. And then you probably bring Cook back into the fold as well. I don't think so. Campbell Graham, Colm Colmatungi, maybe Alex Johnston on the wing. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I I. I before before um, Cleary got injured, I probably would have considered bringing in Cook and I would have looked for that, for New South Wales attacking through the middle with their speed with Cook and Tedesco mm. like they did in sort of 2018 and 2019 because when, that, when the Blues haven't done that, they haven't really been successful. That's kind of been their best weapon um, under Freddie's tenure. But now I think they'll, be, now I think they'll stick with Coruscant just to minis- minimise the changes because there's a chance they have to new halves I don't think they'd go for a new hooker as well Oh, I, I just assume they'd pick both because if like who are they going to pick as that 14 if Hines is starting Tony Stacks yeah I just told you no I know that's I what think, you think, think they did think, do you think actually think they're going to do that though I think it's possible okay. I think there's a chance as well that they go Hines Luai in the halves and then Walker on the bench yeah I think that's possible I mean, too Cody Walker coming on late to create some chaos I think you could do a lot worse than that yeah could so. do really well but uh, yeah I think I think I think Hines is nailed on when do they pick the team they will pick the team on next Monday night. I'm As in pretty sure. seven days from now. Yes. Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, like you know, Tom Tavoyevich not going to play, not going to play a club game between now and then. Yeah. Uh, Car looked fast again on Sunday, so he's yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with probably with the way fine, he's able but to yeah. There's, there's so I imagine, I imagine it's Campbell Graham in for Tommy. Mm. Addo Carr on the wing. If Trell plays, he's in at left centre and Steve if Crichton's not Crichton, out, and yeah. you'd think. Um, Cam Murray's looking unlikely as well after yeah. the hamstring injury. I'm not sure what they'll do there because they were already a bit light on middle forwards. You know, Tavita Pangai Jr. was really good on the weekend. He might hold his spot now. The more I think about it, the more I think he actually might hold his spot, which is crazy but possible. Um, and then Queensland just sort of going along like they always do. I think Jai Arrow's in serious doubt, but. Jeremiah Nane came back on the weekend and looked really good, so yeah. they'll be fine. Who's going to don the cane toad hat if Jai Arrow? Well, yeah, with those two injuries, Souths, who I think are the best team, are down to zero Origin players as, <laughs> it, as it stands. So fantastic! <laughs> you got everything you ever wanted. There uh, you go. So, I guess. All right, let's jump all the way back to Friday night. The footy gods were so close to punishing you for your arrogance, for your hubris, for daring to rest Jared Croker, but instead. I had to witness a stadium full of heartbroken West Tigers fans and then Ricky Stewart calling me personally a nerd <laughs> in the press conference afterwards. So, yeah, a absolute stink fest of a game for about 67 minutes and then chaos reigns. Yeah, so, yeah, I really went on a journey with this one. So, this, this game reminded me a lot of another Raiders-Tigers game. It was from 2019 and it was around the same time of the season. And the Raiders had a... Very similar sort of first 65 minutes. You know, they defended really well, scored some very weird scrappy tries off rebounded kicks and, and things like that. So unlike them. Well, dude, it, it, it's not lucky if it keeps working. Like, I'm talking about, I disagree. A, game from, I'm talking about a game from they four years ago now. In this game. It keeps happening, not just in this game, but in many games. 
But anyway, so there was a there was a moment in that game four years ago, right, where the Raiders were up twelve nil, and it was right on half time, and John Bateman put in a tricky little kick, got it back, found oh, put it put in a tricky little kick. Chance Nicol Klukstad got it, gave it back to him. Bateman scored. It's eighteen nil, and then the Raiders scored two tries in the last fifteen minutes to sort of blow the score out. And I was quite taken with how similar this game was to that, right down to just before halftime, John Bateman going to the line and trying to put a tricky Can't little kick in. Can't do it against Canberra. How dare you? But he was just on the other team mm. this time. And even work. even even with, with 15 minutes to go, I thought, okay, well, if Canberra just get another score, I think they could get a third one and they could really sort of blow this out a little bit, you know? And maybe this is the game where they start to turn things around and they start to turn the screws and they become a little bit more clinical and because that 2019 game was like that. before In the weeks leading up to that match... We're finally going to get sort a of, sort healthy of, boost to our four and against. No, no, no. Well, the, in the weeks leading up to that match, they'd kind of had some, you know, some scratchy wins where yeah. they found a way yeah, or yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. And then that was one of the games where they kind of started moving to the next level and they became a more clinical and more consistent team and I was like wow maybe that'll happen again here wouldn't it be strange if this happens against the Tigers at this time of year wouldn't that be an odd one but then that didn't happen the Tigers just sort of roared back to life scored what was it 19 points in six minutes and you didn't touch the ball yeah yeah (laughs) and that has been a problem for Canberra in some matches this year they have sort of conceded and then conceded and then conceded again quickly um I wasn't yelling and screaming and losing my mind when I was doing this. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. Like, I was seeing it happen. You've been there so many times. To, well, it, it, I don't I mean, it, well, I've been there many times. Not like this, though. 19 points in six minutes is... Even I've never seen them do that. And the, the, it was weird because the stadium was like a library the whole time. But yeah. then suddenly, everyone's on their feet. Yeah. There's some nervous-looking Raiders fans around us. And... It's just so. It's this is the most West Tigers thing to ever happen as well. The way that they got in front and then lost this game in like the dumbest way possible. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> I know some Tigers fans were upset about that penalty on were Jamal they? Fogarty. Yeah, I oh, do. Yeah, of course Not, they were. No, I, wait, like upset, like they didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see any of that. Oh, I, well. I, I saw a lot of people upset with the refereeing in general. I think you did get a few calls go your way in this game, but like that. The, the the Tigers fans I was watching the game with were like straight away oh shit that's a penalty yeah like it's pretty it's pretty that it's one pretty you can't textbook. argue you know, it's unfortunate for Papali'i because mm. I think I don't think there's anything malicious in it but it's extra frustrating when you're uh, when it's one thing to give away that penalty there if it's tied and the field goal loses you the game it hurts so much more when the field goal only ties the game yeah and instead you've just gone from Oh well, we're gonna have one more set maybe, and maybe we can win twenty-one twenty to oh fuck, <laughs> yeah, we've just lost the game. Well, but they did have the chance to equalise as Mate, well. What the fuck? I don't know. What I watched there. it back because it was at the other end of the stadium to us, so I watched it live, and I thought of my eyes aren't great, and there's only one scoreboard at, the, at, at that ground, and it's down the other end, and I was looking at the clock above the big screen while watching this play unfold, and I thought I'm like. Does that say 005? What the fuck are they doing? And then suddenly, like, Luke grubbers a drop kick off the ground and the siren goes. And I'm like, oh, yep, it did say 005. They wasted 20 seconds on that last play running across the field. I know, but they could have scored as well. Dude, it's like commit to the shift or get tackled. That's right. You can't go halfway there. It's like going halfway into an intersection and then stopping. You can't. (laughs) You've got That's what they did. It's like, mate, you've got to drive through or you've got to get back. Yeah, they broke the rules of the road. But yeah, I thought thought Fanua Pole um, had had a victorious finest export. He had a great game, he was but awesome. he, he sort of buggered it Some of because they, they kind of had they kind of had numbers. They kind of yeah, had they space did. And I watched about the it up. probably. You know what it is? It's the other side of the coin of that game last year where they were playing the Knights, and I think they were down by two, 
and they make it make a break and then they've got space to the right. But I think it was I think it was Brooks just dropped someone under instead. Yeah. And the time ended up running out. So it's the other side of the coin to that. Um and in the end, the Raiders get in a season of many, many weird, weird, fortunate victories. Perhaps the weirdest and most fortunate. Yeah, you can. Provided by friend of the show, Jack Cronin, who was there on Friday. Good to see him. And his Olympian sister was down there as well. Um, Annoying, because they'd flown over Queensland for Crocus 300th. But hey, at least they got an entertaining game out of it. (laughs) I don't don't know if I'd call it entertaining. I I would. But um, uh, when the 2023 Raiders lead by 18 or more, their record is 2-0 with a points differential of plus 2. And when they lead by 14 or more, their record is 4-0 with a points differential of plus 10. I have been watching strange Raiders teams pretty much my entire life. <laughs> this team might be the strangest. Like, let me let me reply to those stats with some stats of my own. There's only three teams in the competition. Sorry, there's two teams in the competition that have won more games than the Raiders this year. It's the Broncos and Souths. The Raiders have beaten both of them. Yep. It's, it's deranged. It's bizarre. The Raiders have not won a game. I think their biggest win this year is 10 points. They just keep fucking around and never, ever, ever finding out, you know? I don't know if they're... They're probably not that good a side, but they just keep winning. They just keep winning. Is Like, there's a chance that they, like, you know, finish fourth or fifth with, like, a negative differential. It's insane. It's very... I want that so bad. It's absolutely insane. I'm, I'm like... I'm kind of twin track right now. I'm dead, but I'm alive at the same time. Yeah. You know? Like, they can't hurt me more than I hurt myself, so it's going to be fine. Uh, just from, like, a more of a footy perspective i thought west were really strong in the middle of the field again like they like they usually are but they just sort of couldn't really punish canberra on the edges of the ruck um like like like, and they weren't able to find much of that attacking success that they found against the cowboys even the tries that they do end up scoring in the end it's dream buller pushing up through the middle it's john bateman from dummy half and it's brandon wakeham off a rebounded off a rebounded grubber you know and i'm not whinging about any of that because God damn, Canberra scored two tries off rebounded grubbers. Yeah. But it's just it's just a measure that they sort of struggled to 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 create stuff. You know what I mean? I yeah. do want to give Jareem Buller a really big rap because he had a bit of a tough start under the high ball and with Canberra sort of really physically out muscling him a little bit. But the fact that he was able to come back and keep playing strong and play on the whole I think I think that last sort of sixty minutes is probably the best he's played in first grade. After a tough start, that's really, really impressive. That sort of shows that he's got the He's got the true steel in him. So I was very, very impressed with that. Yeah. Would you, before we move on, would you like to address Ricky Stewart's comments after the game? Oh man, he was, he was, he was begging someone to ask about Croker. He was desperate for it. Like he, yeah, he had clearly been waiting for that all week, all week. You know, and just and he wanted to air some grievances. He wanted to drop some shots. He wanted to he had a lot of problems. Spray with some blokes. Yeah, he had some problems, and you're all going to hear about it. You know, and he just, <laughs> yeah, he just went scorched earth, man. He just started breathing fire. I never want know? him to coach my team, but I also hope he never stops coaching. Because well, entertaining. Uh, there's no one else like him. I'll give him that. There's I'll really give him not. that. All right, let's move on. Um, a far less intriguing matchup. Um. Uh, the Dolphins haven't had many of these absolute stinkers in them this year, but this certainly was one of them. And the Warriors and Sean Johnson, Gambo. I don't know if you've heard, but it's his year. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. So look, th- this was this is. I think this was always coming for the Finns, um, just because they are they are out of They're out of they players, are out of dudes yeah. at the minute, dude. Like Jared Wallace and Ray Stone playing hooker, Cody Nicarima playing fullback. Like I know they're a tough side and they're a committed side, but there are some things that even Wayne Bennett and Valence Tavare cannot overcome. And this is one of those. I 
thought they showed a lot of spirit to stay in this game for 60-odd minutes. Um, and then the floodgates well and truly opened. I'm not... Like, yeah, it's hard to know how much to take away from this for the Finns because they were just without so many guys. But thought it was an encouraging sign for the Warriors that they sort of stayed on the job. They didn't get frustrated by the Finns hanging around the way they did. It was really... I think it was important that Sean Johnson got a bounce-back game. He's probably had a tough month, but it's his year. So on the whole, everything's going to be all right. He doesn't run the ball that much anymore. And, like, people still to this day say, oh, Sean Johnson's just got to run the ball all the time. It's like, it's not really his game anymore. No. He's slowed down a lot. He's had a lot of injuries to his his hamstrings and his, his ankles and all that sort of deal. But every now and then, he'll reach deep down and he'll find something. And he won't do it over 40 metres anymore. He might only do it over four metres. But he's still sharp and he can still get him. And the two tries that he scored were a little bit of the old Sean Johnson. You know what I mean? When he was one of the most exhilarating running halfbacks I've ever seen in my entire life. And I always love it when he when he goes for the throwback and, and, and sort of pulls that sort of stuff out. Um, I think I'm contractually obligated to mention Tohu Harris I was about to ask how point. you thought Tohu Harris played. But I, well, I thought I thought all their usual suspects were really strong. Harris AFB was good. Again. Charles Nickel Klukstad yeah. was, was great at the back. Adam Fanua Blake continued what is fast becoming the best season of his Easily. entire yeah. career. I if I'm picking a team of the year, he's one of my front rowers for sure. It's Payne Haas and, and Adam Fanua Blake. I thought he was exceptional in the middle of the field. Thought Luke Metcalf had some really good touches as well. I I don't know what's going on with with Tamari Martin. I'm not a hundred percent certain on when he's meant to come back, but I actually think that Metcalf Johnson might be a more complimentary halves combo. And that's not a shot at Tamari Martin, who's a player that I rate quite highly. It's just that Metcalf's running game is so, so dangerous and he's so sharp. Metcalf so Johnson quick. sounds like the name of like a bully at a private school in a TV <laughs> show. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he, he was good. Yeah, um, he was he, he was he was really handy. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of all you can take away yeah, from look, this one. Uh, but uh, Kore was strong on the right edge for him too. That was that was something yeah. that stood out to me. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, the Gold Coast blow yet another halftime lead to go down 28-46 to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And once again, it was that man Cody Walker, just his, his fingers in all the pies. He got a couple of tries to his own. And then it, it, is, it, is, it is kind of, it's always been one of my bugbears that like a lot of the times those sort of like, it's all going through Cody, but he gives the pass to Tass and Tass flicks it onto AJ and it counts as a Tass try assist. So, but you know, justice inv- for Cody Walker's tries. Well, yeah, he doesn't have enough of them. Um, but yeah, um, very impressed with our South bounce back after halftime. I thought, um, you know, things didn't go their way in the first half. They just had, you know, a, a, a lot of sort of sloppy moments. I think that they, especially right that Jojo Fafita try on halftime is like very concerning because you know that's about the fifth or sixth game this year that Souths have allowed a team to score right on halftime. But yep, they didn't let that affect them. They just got about their business and played. Very very solidly in the in the in the second half, I thought Blake Taff again was really really yeah, good. That kick that Campbell Graham thing, yeah. try, I'm happy for him. He's like the perfect sort of like next man up, I think. Uh, and I think he's probably is good enough to start elsewhere at an NRL club. But I'm happy to keep him for as long as he wants to be here and sort of just being that sort of 18th man that can step in and play fullback or in the halves or or off the bench if we need him to. And but yeah, uh, Cody Walker, we talked about him in the Origin in the origin bit at the start, but I think the level he's playing at right now is as good as he was in that Volandi ball era. And in fact, it might even be a little bit more impressive purely because we're not playing under those rules anymore where it was sort of almost glorified touch footy and he was running downhill every time he got the ball. It's just everything flows through him at the moment. And the fact that he's still steering this team around the park, I know they didn't win last week, but this is what 
70 something points they've scored in the two weeks where he's had to do it without a bunch of his origin players and in this game they lose Cam Murray and Jai Arrow to injuries during the game as well I think that the way he's steering this team around the park and the way their attack is clicking into gear is very good and it's weird because we've had games earlier this year like especially that game against the Storm where we wrap South for their defense but their defense hasn't been there for the last couple of weeks they've just gone back to sort of well you score five and we'll score six and that's okay and I don't know which one's better for the long run, but I know which one's more entertaining. <laughs> so. well, it's a neutral's delight. And this game very much was a neutral's delight. The thing, the thing with Walker, I think the, the command of the attack that he's playing with at the moment, just the absolute mastery of, of the way modern rugby league structures are and are operated, is just, it's just really, really high-level stuff. It's, it's funny... Um, a lot of people talk about Cody Walker as a very natural footballer. Like Andrew Voss called him, had nicknamed him the natural for a little bit there. But I don't think that that's actually right. Like, of course, he's got natural ability. Everyone makes the, everyone who makes the NRL has got natural ability. But when you think about just the amount of, to, of top-level football or Queensland Cup football or New South Wales football, the amount of sort of elite or next-to-elite-level football that he's played... It's 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 hundreds and hundreds of games. It's it's thirteen or fourteen years now. Like he's someone who, through repetition and through experience, has become just an absolute master of the way the modern game is played in attack. Mm. You know the the absolute command he has of what he's doing and where things are going is 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 is. Ha- they talk about it, guys having the ball on a string, and I think yeah, he he's saying that more him, than he's anyone. saying I'm like fucking watermelons right now. The, watching this game, I was quite struck by. I did an interview with Lachlan Ilias in the preseason, and I was talking to him about Cody Walker. I said, "What's the best thing? What's the thing that you notice the most about Cody Walker?" And he sort of said a similar thing. He said, "He goes the way that Cody's able to understand." that if he goes short twice in a row, the next time he comes down that edge in that exact same shape, he should go out the back because he's softened him up in the middle of the field. It's like, he goes, it's like playing next to a computer. You know what I mean? And like, we don't think of of players like Walker in that context. We think of them as being natural and, and, and effortless and all that sort of thing. But Walker is like, he, he, is, he is like a computer. I think he's a lot more of an analytical player than, than people give him credit for. And I think that's such a big part of his strength. Um, we've wrapped Souths enough. Let's bag the Titans. Did you for a... Were you, were you worried for a no, second? No, of course, of course not. not. Of course not. What the fuck are you talking about? No, but it was... Just, kidding like, me? I am Queens Boulevard. I am Queens Boulevard. That stat that's floating around about how if games ended after 40 minutes, They're the, the Titans would be top the of the ladder. That is unbelievable. Like, I knew the Titans were crazy. I didn't know they were But also quite believable. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, it's the, same, it's the same story for them all the time. I think it's got to the point where they have a real complex about it now. You know, the second that... The second that one thing goes against him in the second half, you can kind of see him crumble a little bit. I don't know what the answer is on that one either. I don't think it's as simple as, oh, lads, you got to try harder or whatever. I think it's a real psychological thing for them at this point, which is, which if I was a Titans fan, would be frustrating and disappointing because it's clear that they can play great attacking footy. Like, no matter, almost no matter who's out there. You know, Kieran Foran was out with this one and it didn't matter. They still put on 22 points in the first half mm. and looked really, really good doing it. You know, they're putting themselves in positions to win games nearly every single week, but then they just can't close it out. Yeah, what's... um Like, I thought Tino backed up from Origin pretty well. And I thought Mofo had a good game. I think that they weren't let down by either of those guys. But, yeah, the way that they just wilted in the second half, it's so disappointing. It's every and, week, man. And it, 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 because, yeah, the moment South got that try just after halftime through Graham, which was the one off the Taft kick, I was just like... We're, we're probably just going to go, go go on with this now, aren't we? And from there, it was just complete one-way traffic. Embodied, and I think it's embodied 
Best by that Sele try at the end. That's just that was yeah, that was really so cool. soft, man. So soft. Um, so what happened with David Fafita? He came off the bench and I don't think he played that. I don't think they had the ball much when he was on the field. Yeah, okay. Because I was like, kind like, um, very confused to see like the way they used him in this game. It's kind of like the Titans using Dave Fafita weird. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Where have we seen that one before? But yeah, it, it was just like. From the moment that second half began, it was one-way traffic, and they never really... Did the, I mean, I can't remember up until they scored right at the end where they even got a sniff of the South Sydney try line. It was complete and utter dominance in the in the second half for South. And Hoomst. He sure does. Oh, yeah. So, we got... Um, if um, if people haven't seen on our Instagram and Twitter, and, and we put it on all the socials, um, and someone posted on Reddit... One of, one of your Reddit sleuths posted on the Reddit as well. But um, uh, we managed to get AJ one of our Catch and Fall Merchant t-shirts and he and he posed with it after the game. So, uh, And the internet loved it. People like how self-aware he is about the whole try-scoring thing, which is good. It was weird because... He we, doesn't look happy in the photo, I must say. Yeah, it's because he's all business. Does the mailman celebrate when he delivers the post, Nicholas? He does not. But it is interesting because he does joke about that stuff a bit more now. Like you, We've both had instances in the past where like... He didn't want to talk about tries like two or three years ago. But now I think his Instagram bio says like catch and put down guy at Souths. I think that I think that's what it says in, in his bio. So he's kind of leaned into the bit now. But and I know that a lot of the tries that he scores are easy. But if it was that easy, everyone would do it. So there's gotta be something to it. And they talk and and people talk, like players that have played with him talk about his ability to be positioned perfectly, to be coming onto the ball at the right times, to always be in the right spot. It kind of reminds me of like the way people used to talk about Ruud van Nistelrooy when I watched the Premier League when I was a kid. It was like, oh, all he does is score tap-ins. I was like, well, why isn't everyone doing it? And the answer, Nick, is because not everyone's playing on the left wing for South. <laughs> but the other answer is because, you know, as easy as some people might think that it is to play on that wing and score all the tries... If he wasn't up to scratch as a first-grade winger, they would have gotten rid of him at some point. And they haven't, because he's not. He's awesome. He's a first-grade winger, for sure. He's much better than that. Don't, that was extremely <laughs> dismissive. And I'm very mad at you right now. And if it wasn't, oh, mate, yeah. But, it's a lot of tries. It's good stuff. I, I, I don't know if this is the week to break out that, oh, he's actually awesome not at, at things other than scoring tries. Because some, like the one that Tars chucked in, yeah, where it like that... <laughs> Look, I did laugh that they were like, oh, that's that's probably the easiest one he's ever scored. And I'm like, no, do you remember the one last year against the Tigers? Oh, when Campbell Campbell Graham Graham is over the line. (laughs) Or the Corey Allen one. Do you remember either of those? Uh, (laughs) And also he got burned by Jojo on that try at halftime. But I think for the most part, like his defense has been in this year. He's been very good under the high ball. Um, Pick him, Freddie. They're not going to pick him. I think think he's got... Four or five tries this as well. He's even forced a bunch of dropouts with kicks when they go for those spreads. And you know, he was on the pop that offload to Cody Walker to win that game against Penrith as pick well. Him, Freddie. He does a lot of good pick him, Freddie. Pick the holes, yeah. <laughs> if someone wants to get a hold of those catch and fall merchant uh, t shirts, where should they go? Because there have been bootlegs floating around. Yeah, that's all right. The, the, again, the Reddit sleuths knocked the bootlegs on the head. They said, Don't go there, go to the real website, rugbyleaguemerch.com. Um work you'll work it out from there. There's a boot rookies tab. There's some other stuff there. There's go those are things, there's um oh six vibes. Uh, a couple of other things, but yeah. Um, we've been a bit slack on the merch this year, guys. Apologies. We've, um, if you've had got any th- merch ideas, let us know. Yeah, we've, we've sort of been working a lot of stuff out with the new format of the show and all that, but we're looking to get back into merch very, very soon. So hopefully that will happen and you you could be the lucky owner of some NRL Boom Rookies swag. But yeah. Could be um, the envy of the of the internet <laughs> of the internet perverts. Absolutely. But yeah, um, yeah, good win for South. I needed that after 
two straight losses. And they get the Dragons this week and then a bye. So the Dragons, they might be tougher than you think, though, because they're not going to have... Their, their forward pack's going to be pretty light in that game. So Saints, though. True. Saints, Saints, oh, yeah, Saints are like an injury away from, you know, like Dapto Canary's front row is pulling on the well, red V. Takes playing for Dapto. Hey? Brad Takarangi. Oh, well, bring him home, you see. Get say. him in there. Well, you know where he played 20s? Where? South Sydney. Did he? Oh, bring he... him all the way home. Oh, wow. For the for the for the toes, bro. Mm, all right, Sharks twelve, Broncos twenty. Um, Saturday nightcap and just a a very a very solid performance from Brisbane away from home. And that you know the Mam try is awesome, but I think they just did so much work defensively to soak up all the pressure the Sharks had that you know they deserve to win this game. And I thought they played really well. And I think that the way their season's gone, um, you know. People talk about that, not even to leave Brisbane. It's all, it, it, and, and all that. And that's fine. But, you know, a tough road trip, tough place to go and play against a good team. And they go in there and take care of business quite impressively, I thought. Yeah, like the win over the Warriors last week without their origin players, this to me is a sign of Brisbane really going to the next level as a team. You know, because, because like, we know, we know what Brisbane can be like in Queensland, right? We know that they can play... Gorgeous attacking football. We know that Reese Walsh can can cut teams to pieces and you know win over the the hearts of, of men and women across the state and all that. We're like we know that they can do all those things, but this wasn't that. This was a very tough performance, a, a a very committed performance, a very professional performance. I thought they just went in there, they got it done, um, they took their chances when they came, they defended really really well, and you know they they were taking on a team that had a share of the competition lead, and I thought Brisbane just kind of just kind of handled them, you know? And I, I was really impressed by things like the rest of the forward pack stepping up to sort of help give Carrigan and Haas a bit of a spell after they'd both put in big shifts on on Wednesday night. So that, you know, I didn't think they were as reliant on them as they usually are, which is which is really, really impressive. I like Capewell in the middle of the field for them. Um, I, maybe that's a good way to use him going forward. It was a trend Pick that I'd like to see. <laughs> Pick him, Billy. Be a trend I'd like to see continue. I thought Brendan Piakura bounced back from a, a tough game against the Warriors last week. He showed a lot more of the things that have made him such a such a sort of coveted player for a good couple of years. Now, his defense still isn't quite there, but you can teach a bloke to tackle. You can't teach a bloke to attack and, and, and move with the ball the way that, that Piakura does. they don't need to teach how to move with the ball. The, the haunter of my nightmares Corey Oates yeah he he's was coming yeah he's Corey oh lord he coming pick him Billy pick him Billy um, yeah he was really good on return from, from from injury I thought he made some some really key defensive plays in addition to carrying the ball well like he always always does but yeah I've, I've sort of been um, I've sort of been convinced on Brisbane's title credentials for quite a while now I know but I know I go I know a lot of people I know a lot of people were still waiting to see something but these two, these two matches back to back sort of shows me that this isn't flash in the pan. This isn't lighting bad teams on fire and struggling when it gets hard. This was a hard, tough game, yeah. and Brisbane were harder and tougher and more composed and more thorough and more professional about it. And I think that's down to a lot of things, but I think you do have to give Kevin Walters some raps for the way that he's sort of prepared and motivated the team through these past two weeks. Because Origin was always going to be a tough time for them because they were always going to have so many blokes playing but the wins like this help them weather that storm and I think they'll come out of origin maybe even better for the for the for the experience yeah. like maybe a little bit a little bit more mentally tough and it just sets them up for a really big back end of the year so really could not be more impressed with Brisbane I tipped them in this game I thought they were going to do well but they exceeded my expectations you, you mentioned Jordan Ricky as well I mean the, 
he's gone from the sort of maligned sort of figure of frustration to, for Broncos fans to maybe the third best forward now. I don't know about third best forward, but, like, but he's he's had he's had a really he's had a really really good season, and it's kind of been built on the back of really strong effort plays. Effort. He's excellent He's in kick, kick chase, excellent yeah. on kick chase, excellent on kick pressures, and there's probably still an error or two in his game at this point. But I always think you can forgive those things if if you get a hundred percent effort everywhere else, and that's what Ricky's been. That's what Ricky's been showing. I think um, he's been the footy equivalent of like show muscles the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Looks really good, but doesn't do a whole lot. But he's a lot more diesel now, man. He's he's really getting it done. I thought he was really strong in this game. I thought it was one of his better performances in first grade. Um, yeah. And I guess that's another measure of what Kevin Walters is, is doing really well. He's getting a lot of effort out of nearly everybody on the team. Everybody's making the second effort. Everybody's, you know, pushing up in support. Everybody's making the effort to drag blokes down when they get a hold of them. You know, it's just really, really impressive stuff. Yeah, and like, you know, we talked about their effort and their defence, and but Jesus, that Ezra Mam try. Just oh, just gorgeous footy. Fantastic. Man. The Sharks, though, I mean, we, we, you've often talked about how they're a bit light in the middle and they probably need, even when Toby Rudolph gets back, they, that, that's, they've got to be their top priority for the off-season. But yeah, their, their top meter gainers for this game, Camper, was their back five in some order. And the lowest of those five was CSF Italakai, who outgained their most uh, their, their forward with the most metres by about 70. Yeah, well, the story of this game for the Sharks, I think, is in their back five. Like, all, all five of them made over 190 metres. Like, there was metres on offer. But Cronulla rely on their back five more than just about any other team in the competition because it's not they're not only the best yardage men on the team, they're also the, the strike weapons. So there's a lot of pressure on them at both sides of the field every single week. So when you have a game like this where Cronulla's execution and attack was pretty poor despite having a lot of chances, all of a sudden the margin for error becomes incredibly thin, you know, because I think Cronulla's a great team for going around. They can go around any team in the competition. Going through a team is, is much, much harder for them. And if you defend this like Brisbane did, where they sort of numbered up well, nobody turned their hips out, everybody was really strong in contact, Cronulla don't really have a lot of answers for a side like that. You know, and there's probably only four or five teams in the competition that can hope to do something like that to Cronulla. But Cronulla are at that level where they should be looking at those four or five teams and say, why aren't we better than them? Because they can handle just about everyone else in the league. They can sort of go out there and play pretty and and zing the ball from side to side and Nico Hines is getting heaps of try assists and Talakai's running over centres who are half his size and all that sort of thing. But this is the final frontier for Cronulla. Yeah. And it's sort of been their frontier for, I would say, close to 12 months now, you know? Mm. And I don't know if the... if the is, is the problem as simple as them getting a couple of real shit kicking forwards so they can get a bit more drive in the middle of the field? Maybe. I'm not sure. But that's not some, that's something that will happen next year yeah. at the earliest. You know, at the moment, they have to try and solve this problem with the weapons they have. And I agree with you that Rudolph will be a really big inclusion it, it when he comes back. probably won't be enough. But like he's a really good player, but awesome I don't know player. if he's enough to sort of turn the tide for Cronulla. Like, I mean, we just saw what the South Pack did to them in that finals game last year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I worry that if they play a team like Brisbane, Souths or, or Penrith in, in, a, in a finals game, I think the same thing could happen to them. Well, I, 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 I just, I, if I was a Sharks fan, I would actually be quite disappointed in this performance yeah. because you're not going to... like. If Brisbane are close-ish to full strength, which Brisbane were, you're not going to get a better shot at them than playing them off the back of an Origin game in the Bermuda Triangle. In the Bermuda Triangle, like that, that, and you know, even if they beat Brisbane at this, if they beat Brisbane here, then maybe that's something that changes the way they think about themselves and the way they think about their game, and maybe that's a win that could give them 
that could give them a greater confidence to attack through the middle of the field and, and, and get all that sort of stuff done. Like, we've seen that in the past where teams get confidence from beating big sides and then become better teams because of it. And this was a real opportunity for them to do that. And then not doing that kind of makes me think that the Sharks are the same as they have been for the last 12 months. Very dangerous at their style. Very good at cutting teams back worse than them to pieces. There's only a couple of teams who are better than them, but I wouldn't feel confident about the Sharks' chances against any of those teams. I, th- I can't remember off the top of my head but they have a really bad record against top eight teams this season. I don't mm. think they've beaten one. Well, the Roosters were in the top eight when they beat them, but yes, overall they have not beaten one. They have not been a team that's currently in the top eight. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. I'm not not saying well, the Sharks are a bad team or a dud side, but it's like I don't know. Feels feels like this game to me showed a lot of the flaws that they've had yeah. for a while. And now. a stiff test coming up this Sunday at the Storm in Melbourne. So interesting one there. Um. Three games on Sunday, a Super Sunday, a little throwback. Um, I, I, this was a Super Sunday. It I was really enjoyed three the great first, games. the first two. Well, may, maybe two and a half. Yeah, sure. But okay. I, I really enjoyed the first two games. I thought that as as a, as a neutral, they 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 had everything I wanted yeah. in my Sunday afternoon footy. You off is, your couch in the twelfth minute, saying, "Pick him, Freddie. <laughs> Pick him again." Tavita Pangai Junior. Run it back. Um, yeah, almost. Almost an incredible win for the Bulldogs. Yeah, like, yeah. Against the odds. It, very much against the odds because, like, you know, you lose. Pangai, Pangai Jr. backing up, had a car backing up. They've already got a lot of blokes out, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Losing Reed Marnie yeah, to that to that concussion and not really having a, a, a spine player on the bench. I think Harrison Edwards was playing was playing hooker for the last 40-odd minutes or whatever. But um, I, I actually think that those two origin guys for the Bulldogs were both really, really strong. Mm. You know, I, this might have been Pangai's best game of the entire season, which is which is really saying something given that he has copped a lot of heat in the aftermath of, of Wednesday night. But I thought he found a great mix of, of strong yardage plays and that aggression that we love to see from him. I thought the battle that, that him and the entire Bulldogs pack had with Jared Warrior Hargraves was just sensational. Like that was just... Old school hammer and tong. We're just going to run at each other and smash each other and see who comes out the better. I thought that was really good. Ado Carr, apparently in the sheds after Origin 1, he could barely walk because his ankle was so crook. Didn't, I thought he was no chance of playing in this game. <laughs> and then he did and he played great. And he had like... Scored a that cup, sick try. Scored that sick try. Set up the other one for Reed Marnie with, mm. with big stuff from out of his own end. I thought the... The, the reason that the dogs got done in this game, though, is just they lacked just a, a little bit of composure when it really, really counted. And it was from guys who should know better. Like, I've wrapped that Okara and he had a good game. But that Joseph Suwali'i try came yeah. in part because Alamotti's on the ground injured. And instead of Okara going to make the tackle, he's, like, pointing to Alamotti and yelling at the ref. And then the Roosters have space down the right side and they're able to score. And then, just tiny little things well, like and that. And then, like, the offloading in their own area when the scores are tied and giving the ball over, yeah. which leads to the field goal as yeah. well. It's, like, it's not great. And they're little things that good teams don't do. And like the Bullers have some good players. And I do genuinely think they are getting there. Yeah, But like, the, 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 this is a game that a good team wins, I think. The Roosters yeah. were there for the taking. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, on, the, on the Roosters, it's, it's funny. So James Tedesco's copped a lot of heat. Pick him, Freddie. Since Origin 1. <laughs> Um, and he was great in this game. He scored two tries through through fantastic support play, which he which he always does really really well. He he um, set up the other two, one from a run from deep in his own half, and that then one, was awesome. one with yeah. a nice little blindside rush. But I was really surprised, like well maybe not surprised, but 
I thought the the discourse around Teddy on 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 after this game was really strange. People were saying, "Oh, well, you know, he, we know he can cut up the Bulldogs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He can't cut Famously up." Famously, never played well in a good game. It's ever. like, like, well, what do you want him to do? <laughs> like, his team scored four tries. He scored two of them and and set up set the, up other, the two. other two. Like, yeah. what, do you, what what do you want him to do? Um, but yeah, I was happy for him to sort of have a. A strong bounce back. I thought mm. Luke Keery um, has copped a lot of heat this year, but I thought he showed his composure in some in some really key moments, which was really good. I'm not loving Joseph Manu at five eight. I don't know if there's a whole lot of feel for the for the position. Yeah, I, I don't Obviously, feel like it's he working. runs it well, but I, dude, I I was never like a like there was so much talk about that in the yeah. preseason. People just acted like it was this foregone conclusion that it would eventually happen. I was kind of like. But he's really he's like the best center in the world, maybe. Like Well, he's the best he's the best center in the world. I think he's a good fullback. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know if I love him at five eight. I think people got a little bit of supercoach blindness because they saw the numbers he was putting up at fullback. And I think he had a, a couple of games at five eight where he put up some good numbers as well and they thought, Oh wow, that's gonna happen all the time. But against a team that really sort of digs in defensively on the fringes of the ruck, sometimes he can be a little bit limited in what he can create. So I'm not loving that for for the Roosters at the minute, but Honestly, they might not have any other choice because Sam Walker's still a little bit away. Yeah, uh, Drew Hutchinson sort of had a pretty a pretty tough year, and then after that, you're sort of going into into guys who are rookies, you know. So I think they're going to have to stick with Manu and um, Kiri in the halves for the for the time being. Uh, I mentioned Warrior Hargraves before. I thought he was really strong. He I thought he had one of those games where he really really digs in and and goes for some of the. Goes for some of the deep stuff. He can only do that a few times a year, and he only does it when it really, really matters. But I thought he did it in this one. I like Satili Tupanua in the middle of the field for them. Um, I know a lot of their, I know a lot of I think their fans, fans prefer him there as well. I think they do. I know a lot of their fans really don't like him on the edge, but I like him in the middle because it just accentuates his running game, and he can carry the ball really strongly. He's a really angular runner, mm. raw boned. You know, like lifting knees and swinging elbows and all that sort of shit. Like he runs to hurt people, which I really like. Yeah. Well. I got a question for you. Are you ready for next week, Saturday night, Hutchison v Cogger in the halves? Wow, no love lost there. No love lost there. But yeah, look, um, yeah, the Roosters did enough. I'm still as still not impressed with them at all. Me but either. But if they'd lost this game, holy shit, you could have yeah. nearly put a line through them. Honestly, they yes. just they just needed to they just needed to win any Especially, any yeah, any which a, way they could. And yeah, with Penrith coming up next week, that this was a this was not a must win, but pretty damn close to it. Mm. And then they did. Um, the Cowboys. I feel like they've been on this resurgent run for like a month, but they're only still 14th. Well, you but say they, resurgent run for a month. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, it feels like they've won every other game like since, like in the past month, apart from that one that we went through. And it's like, well, no, they also lost to the Eels. But, you know, that's three in their last five wins, but this one by a distance, the most impressive. This to me was the first time they looked like the 2022 I agree with North that. Queensland Cowboys. Just, like all the ingredients were back. They... They had proper strike on both edges through their back rowers, you know, like like they did for so long last year. The back five were all carrying exceptionally hard. How getting, did the Raiders let Sammy Valame go? I'm always going to be happy to see Sammy Valame do well because, like, he, he he's someone who, like, a lot of Raiders fans were very frustrated with him because he, he does have a, an error in him here and there and he's probably not the best defender in the world. But he kind of got thrown into the team during an injury crisis and... Then they sort of did him a bit of disservice by trying to play him in the centres or whatever. But he's a big unit and he can carry the ball really, really well. And as long as he doesn't have to do anything outside of that, he's always going to do well. And he did really well in this one. But yeah, like the, the Cows back five all carried the ball really strongly. I thought Val Holmes and Murray Talungi 
both had their best mm. games of the season. You know, Scott Drinkwater is wheeling and dealing from the back God as, as only Scott Drinkwater does. I fucking love I Scott Drinkwater. I am officially dis- distancing myself from my, my well-coiffed friend, Chad Townsend. It's over. No, I'm distancing myself. You're consciously uncoupling. How can a field goal when you've got a chance to hang 50 on the storm? This is huge, man, because you've been a Chad Townsend guy for longer than I've known you. Still a Chad guy, but I'm, a, I'm just... Uh, we need some time apart. That's also... That hurt also. It's like, mate, read the, read the room. <laughs> I love a disrespectful field goal as much as everybody else. But, mate, you got a chance to put 50 on the storm, something that's happened once in Bellamy's tenure, and it was in 2003. Yeah, it's only happened four times in the storm's entire history. Yeah. And, and they would have sc- I think they would have scored, too, because they were still looking dangerous. So annoying. I know. Score. Don't chat. I know, but, but yeah, they, they, the Cowboys had all the ingredients of, of last year. Reese Robson, terrific again in the middle of the field. Their, four, their middles were all really, really good. Griffin, Nanai's back. Na, well, Nanai, looked, Nanai looked really strong. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Griffin Neem um, was, was really good too. The, the Townsville bully. bully himself. Ruben Cotter backed up his origin performance with a really strong showing. And like he all did. of a sudden, Cowboys have got all got all their guys back finally. With Jason Tamalolo, you would think, plays next week. Mm. He's been named in the extended squad the last two weeks. They're kind of on the brink of the eight. Maybe we were a little bit quick. To give him the last right, say maybe, that. maybe that sixty-six points they conceded to the Tigers was rock bottom. You say and that now they are bouncing back up. But Nicholas, the next three games: Penrith, South, and then the West Tigers again, who are going to hang <laughs> another. <laughs> hang another. No, I think that Penrith game's origin affected actually. So yeah, oh no, they won't have a shitload of yeah. either though. Well, I, I guess you know we're gonna we're we gonna didn't talk s- about Josh Drinkwater for the New South Wales halves. Why not Scott Drinkwater? Whatever. You, you, you do that all the time. Yeah, I, I just can't <laughs> just, stop doing it. This is one of those weird ticks, eh? It is. Yeah, anyway. Number six. Why not? Look. <laughs> Scott Drinkwater, State of Origin Bench Utility. Bro, throw him out there with five to go and say, Thirsty, go do some weird shit and win this game. <laughs> Josh Drinkwater's not even like a particularly well-known soccer player. I don't know why I do this all well, the Josh time. Well, Josh Drinkwater is, is, is Scott Drinkwater's brother. Does he actually have a brother named Josh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, played well. a little bit for the Tigers and a little bit for the Dragons and then a lot in um, England and France. Right. Wait. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm so confused. Right. And then Danny Drinkwater is the is the guy that played for Liverpool. Okay. So there's three Drinkwaters. Are they all related? I assume so. Do you know Paul Walker, RIP, has a brother called Cody Walker? Does he really? Yeah. That's cool. So when you search for Cody Walker stuff on Google, it comes up with like Fast and Furious stuff. Well, he is fast and furious. He sure is. Um, Storm. Uh, is this... I mean, Nick Meany try was sick. You got that at least. Yeah, that was really cool. You don't see a lot of old school chip and chases. You don't. You really anymore. don't. But um, they're just not very good. They just might just be kind of average. Yeah. Um, I, just I, wasn't, think- I, wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect from the Storm in this one. If you guys remember, on the preview show last week, I said, the Cowboys have all their guys there I would think about picking them because I think the Storm have had some troubles away from home this year. I think they still rely really heavily on all the best guys. Um, I think because Grant and Munster were both backing up, they probably needed a bit more from Jerome Hughes in this one. And while they were able to run some good stuff down their right edge early, they didn't really stick with it. And then eventually they just started getting blown apart, you know, and like one of the tries, one of the Valame tries. So one of the tries that got the Cowboys going in that first half, that was off an extremely forward pass, but, Melbourne have been good enough to rise above sort of a bad refereeing decision here or there in the past. And right now, I just don't think they sort of have that same scope to them. And I think if you look at the the Craig Bellamy presser after the match, you can see how frustrated he is. And he sort of said, 
this has happened not to this extent, but we've had performances like this a few times this year and the message just isn't sinking in and I'm not sure why. Well, I just I just don't think their forward pack's good enough either. Like, I don't think they're mi- the middles, definitely yeah, not. Like it, like even Welch, as great as he's been in the past, hasn't been amazing this year. They've still got Nas, but then there's very little after that. And then yep. you felt like we, we've been Eli Katoa guys here, but like Trent Loyera just seems to make dumb players every week. I think Josh King hasn't been as good as he... Like, he had a pretty good season last year. I think he's taken a step back this year and then there's not really much behind them at well, all. I think if Josh King's your fourth guy, yeah. then you're okay. If he's your second guy, mm. it could be a bit bit of a struggle. And so, so you can have Harry Grant and Cam Munster, but if there's no platform for them, then it's going to be really yeah. difficult. And it's it's just tough to like... I know they've still had a couple of good wins this year, but like it's really hard to see this team because this forward pack on paper right now is as close... To, it's close to full strength. Is it full strength? They're not really missing anyone off the top of my head that I can think of. Uh, well, Tarek Sims just didn't get picked well, yeah. this so, week. So it's like it's just difficult to see that forward pack on paper again. Like we talked about with the Sharks, it's difficult to see them matching up against Penrith, Seas, Roosters, Brisbane in a, in a big finals game and not just getting dominated in yardage. So mm. I don't know. And yeah, they they got thoroughly pantsed here as well. So yeah, it's tough to see. It, it it's it's like I'm not writing obituaries for them. It's the Melbourne Storm. A part of me. We'll always just look at that name and be like, they'll figure it out. They'll be fine. And we'll just wake up and they'll be in a prelim again. But maybe not this year. Maybe not. Well, I, I definitely think that... Of So there's the the, Brett, so there's the the best three teams in the competition, which is Brisbane, South Penrith in some order. Mm-hmm. And then there's a gap. And then I think the next best three teams are the Sharks, the Storm, and somehow the Raiders. Yes. And... All three of those teams just have really significant flaws in them. I'm only scared to play one of those teams in the finals. <laughs> what if it's a, what if it's right? What if the Raiders tech, relocate to Amy Park for the duration of the final? No, series? thank you. Yeah, I'm literally that's insane that I'm more scared of Canberra than I am of Cronulla yeah. and Melbourne. But, but anyway, yeah. anyway, those those three teams who are sort of the next the next three on the ladder, mm. they all just have really significant flaws that sort of make it tough to break up that difference. Like the Sharks are not that great in the middle it's the same with the storm and then the raiders are insane so like those are three big things to try and to try and overcome mm. um two more quick things before we move on from this one um we talked about semi valame before we kind of missed this on the previous show i didn't realize that kyle felt just got straight up dropped yeah which is a really really big call because he's been in a that mainstay team, for a decade, yeah for a really so like- really long time now um and dropping him for someone who joined the club a couple of weeks ago he was is really a, bad against West, though. Yeah, he was. He was, but that's a that's a massive call. Um, and I'm always going to be happy to see Semi Valame do well. So good big ups to him. And then lastly, on Semi Valame's third try, uh, the 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 I think it was Chad Townsend goes for a long ball. Xavier Coates reaches up to intercept it, and he knocked it on. You know why he knocked it on? Because he jumped. Because he jumped. Yep. His feet are off the ground. Yep. Uh, shout out that Cowboys fan with the like LED light board necklace thing. Yo, that guy was having a time. Can we invest in some of those? Um, patent pending. Okay. Well, we can't patent something. It already exists. You don't know what a patent is, do you? No, dude. It's All right, I'll tell you after I, the It's show. just a thing that I say. I'll explain it to you afterwards. Um, final game. Penrith 26, St. George 18. The Dragons nearly did it, Nick. They nearly yeah. bloody did it. Just sort of, just sort of let a few things slip. I was, even though they lost, and even though I know the Panthers lost Nathan Cleary, so they were nowhere near their best. I was actually a little bit impressed by how much spirit the Dragons showed because when Penrith don't have Nathan Cleary, right, and they kind of revert to their baser instincts, which is just yardage up the middle of the field with the forwards and with the back five, and they just sort of like crunch you under the the sheer weight of the meters they gain right and that was always something that dragons were going to be susceptible to because they are just running out of not just quality forwards they're just running out of forwards 
They're running out of guys. They were without Blake Laurie in this one, who's probably been their best forward this year. They lost Jack DeBellin with about, I think it was about 30 to go, just after Penrith scored, so it looked like Penrith could have really run away with it. But the Dragons showed, I thought, a lot of fight just to sort of hang in there and to and to sort of be in the match until the last five minutes or, or, or what have you. So I know, I know that's cold comfort for the Dragons fans who are now sitting stone motherless last, but... This was a game that could have gone really, really bad for them, even after Cleary got injured. And I thought they showed a lot of ticker that it didn't get that bad, you know. And I thought Zach Lomax was probably a bit better, probably had his one of, one of his better games of the season. Ben Hunt, ben Hunt really strong again. Ravalawa, yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe maybe Semi Valame is coming to take his spot as the large Fijian winger who also makes mistakes sometimes. Maybe they could be on the same team. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Some sort of Fijian national team, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, um, but yeah, and but and then Penrith, there was always going to be a bit of a ceiling on how they were going able to gonna be play in this game with Cleary going out. But I thought Cogger was pretty good. Showed fine. some nice touches. That kick Is Nathan Bri- Cleary a system half? I'm just asking questions. My column. I'm just asking questions. thought that kick that he put in for Brian Toto was, was really sharp. And that's the sort of play that not even Cleary would... Would, would make that often, you know? So I don't know if he's as capable as, as Sean O'Sullivan was um, for them last year. So Penrith will probably not... Like, I think Penrith, they barely missed Cleary and Luai last year when the two of them got injured. That was crazy how they just managed to sort of keep ticking along the way they did. But I think Cogger will be a capable enough replacement for the next few weeks. Although I think the talk for Cleary is that he might miss six weeks, which is a yeah a long time. Did he get six weeks for the suspension last year as well? Four or five? Was it, it, was five? Around, it was around that. I'm not yeah. sure. I should have looked that up before. But uh, right. yeah, I think Penrith are now just in a holding pattern until Cleary returns. And I think they'll be, they'll be, they'll be fine. They'll find a way to weather the storm the way they always, always do. Yeah, I think they could probably still win most, if not all of their games, except for maybe that origin affected one. Mm. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, let's quickly... Um, Look ahead to Thursday night's game, Nick. Chaos is going to reign. Oh, yeah. With the Gold Coast Titans and the West Tigers. Prime time. The nation holds its breath. How is this a prime time Thursday night game two years in a row? It's incredible. It was last year that we had the game the where the, 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 Tiger, like the, the Titans scored a shitty rebound try in the last second eight to six. win the game. Yeah. And the Channel 9 executives saw that game and thought, you know what? We want the sequel. We want the sequel. Well, I'll be watching. So I'll, I'll be watching too. I'll be watching too. I can't get enough of these two crazy motherfuckers. No, this absolutely. Again, like there's like the, the three teams I would not want to support under any circumstances are the Raiders, the Titans, and the Tigers, just because of the way their games are goddamn insane all the time. I don't know how you do it. But will I watch? Absolutely. 100%. This is the neutral's delight, man. This is two drunks fighting in the pub. This is footy bo- played for lunatics by lunatics. Mm. This is great. Um, I kind of like the tunes in this one because like relying on 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 the Titans to do relying on them to do anything vaguely normal is a fool's errand. Mm. But I know they can score a lot of points. Points are I good. I know they can score a lot of points and unless the Tigers are able to steamroll them in the middle of the field early and often, which as good as the Tigers have been in the middle for a long time now, I'm not sure they're going to be able to do. I think there's a chance that the Titans run up a lead and the Tigers aren't able to run them down, which I know is a crazy thing to say about the Titans because they have made an art of blowing leads this season. But I don't know if the Tigers are going to have the attacking capabilities to punish them in the way that a team like the Rabbitohs could punish them, you know? 
yeah, it's it's interesting because like even when the Tigers were were sort of finding their feet and and sort of having these last sort of six or so weeks, which have been a lot better than what we saw from the start of the year, Leichhardt Oval aside, they've been doing this with their defence. They yeah. haven't been doing this by scoring a lot of points, but with the way the Titans play, and. Uh, uh, they they invite they, there's saloon passages all over the field when the Titans are out there yeah. and the, the the Tigers do for better or worse have a lot of guys who love going to the line they've got a lot of guys who love sort of spreading the ball they've got a lot of guys who want to chance their arm when they see something going on that be it Brooks be it Isaiah Papale be it our boy Jareem Buller doesn't matter and then there's always Appy Corus our darting out. I think they could find a lot of points in this one I think we could end up seeing something like Tigers thirty four Titans twenty or something like that see I think the Titans have got more points in them than that though. Tigers and, and 34, Titans 33. Love it. But th- that's the thing. If this gets run and gun, right, and if this turns into a shootout, which all Titans games seem to, mm. I just have more faith in the Titans to just keep scoring and scoring and scoring and mm. scoring, you know? But I'm not writing off the Tigers, not for a second. If they can put the t- clamps on the on the Titans even just for a half, yep. I think they're, they're more than capable of winning this game. Jareem Buller, homecoming game. That's right. Keeper Park's finest. Bro, the dream. The dream coming home. If you it's bet, tough to beat, tough if, to handle. If you bet the under on this game, please stop listening to this show. Oh, bro. Take a good hard look at yourself. You take the unders on this one. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Renrandra. Absolutely buried it. <laughs> Alright, some news real quick. We did clear here already, so let's move past that. Seattle looks to be without Jair and Cam Murray for a few weeks, Nick. Yeah, well, if uh, what's the situation with Tom Burgess as well? Because he hasn't played. That is for the last a weird one. Weeks. I've been told he's a week away. And Havili. I've been told like repeatedly. We've been hearing Havili has been a week away for like a years month. now. Yeah. Like. So that's four. That's what, four of their six best middles all not playing at the moment? Yeah, it makes it tough. Not that, great. Yeah, it makes it very, very tough. So I've got so, Ham Saleh. He's good. Um, yeah, but I think it's it's fortunate this week that they're taking on a Dragons team that has that have no middles of their own either. Mm. Like DeBellin will be out because he's getting um, sat down because of the concussion. I think Blake Laurie's still going to be out. They're all, like, I was watching the Dragons-Panthers game yesterday. I didn't have the comms on. I was list- I was catching up on a on a, on a a podcast and there was a bloke playing for them in the front row who I didn't recognize at all. And like, I know, I'd kind of pride myself on knowing who everybody in the NRL is. It's very rare that somebody will play more than a couple of games and I won't know at least what they look like. But I had to look up who this fellow was. It was Jaden Hunt. Jaden Hunt. Yep. Gun to your head. Could you tell me a single thing about Jaden Hunt? He's Ben Hunt's cousin. <laughs> and Jaden Sewer's cousin also. <laughs> yeah, so while this while Arrow and Murray are big outs for Souths, I think this is a week they'll be able to weather the storm and then they have the bye the week after that. So with a bit of luck, it won't impact them too much. Not too bad. Um, Joseph Suwali is facing a three to four match ban for the kneeing incident with Reed Mining. I personally think he should be put in prison. <laughs> Knee, put him in knee jail. Yeah, why not? <laughs> but yeah, um, this is not. He's got form with this. He does. He does. I think this would be a this would be a bigger deal if he was sticking around in True. in league. But I think I love the venom that he runs with. And I mentioned it earlier with Tupanua. I love guys who run like they want to hurt people. And that might sound vicious or whatever. But like that's what 
that's what running the ball is supposed to be. You're meant to run the ball so hard that blokes are left in carnage behind you. You know, not that you're trying to injure somebody or anything like that, but you've got to run with that with that eye of the tiger. Um, and I think that's just something that he's gotten a little bit wrong a couple of times now. Um, I don't think he's a malicious player, but lifting the knees like that has become a little bit of a bad habit. And young players have bad habits sometimes. So maybe, like, again, it probably it probably won't matter in the long run. But if you do this in rugby, you might get jailed, though. That's with the true. way that they, they are with foul play. Uh, this is a fun one. According to our good friend Martin, Journalism Gabor, um, Kyle Flanagan could be coming back to play hooker for the dogs next week. Wow, yeah, sure. Why not? Hell yeah. He's actually been going okay. Apparently he's been yeah, playing he's there been in doing all right. Yeah, he's been doing all right, yeah. So, why not? Why not? Give it another try. <laughs> One more go for Kyle. I'm okay with it. Why not? Let's let's see where it takes us. Um, you got anything else? I think that's about it. I think the uh, the big news of the day is still the, the Cleary stuff, you know? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what uh, happened. I think we should probably delay recording next week till after that team is named. I think it... Probably makes more sense. Don't to don't do that. don't don't yeah. discuss admin on on the oh, show. Just getting a feel for what the punters want. They're gonna listen and go, yeah, Matt, it's a good idea. And then they'll message me and say, Matt, just heard what you said on the show. It's a good idea. And I'll say, thank you, humble listener. Nick's picked up a baseball bat to hit me with, <laughs> so I'm gonna read the patrons and get out of here. A thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hog, and anonymous backer. Don't piss on my back and tell me it's raining. Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Marooned Gossard, Matt Duggan, <laughs> Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift. My ding ding dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Serbian hamstring recall class action, Shunter Tai TV, the Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to everyone who loves and everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Serbian hamstring recall of, uh, of course it is. He's very creative. He is. Yeah. All right. And if you want to be a patron, patreon.com forward slash Brookies. You get another show every week. Um, and merchandise discounts, which, you know, catch and fall merchant shirt. Go get one. They are, they are selling like wildfire. Don't be the only the only cool kid without one. That's right. Um, anyway, we will be back on question uh, for question time on Wednesday if you're a patron. If not, we'll see you on Friday for the review show. Uh, the preview show, I should say. The review of Chaos Thursday. That's right. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.